of Revelation chapter 2, and uh, we'll begin reading tonight, verse number 12. And the Bible says, And the angel of the church, and to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These sayings saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seed is. Now holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith. Even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things, sacrifice unto idols, and to commit fornication. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent, or else I'll come unto thee quickly, and I'll fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help us tonight. I do thank you, Lord, for the good singing we've enjoyed tonight. And I thank you, Lord, for how you've already touched my heart. And I pray now that, Lord, I wouldn't say nor do anything that might get in the way of what you want to do tonight in this service. And I pray that as we look upon these verses tonight and we attempt to preach from them, I pray that every one of us, from the least to the greatest, would hear what the Spirit has to say to the church tonight. Father, we're living in difficult times. Lord, we need to hear from you. Lord, we need a word tonight, and I pray you grant it unto us. And I pray you'd anoint me, Lord, and empower me and help me. You know me better than I know myself. And Father, I pray now that despite all my faults and failures, you'd have mercy on me. And Lord, that once again you'd fill me with the Holy Spirit. And give me what I stand in need of. Lord, whatever's accomplished, whatever's done tonight, I'll give you all the glory and honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Tonight we're looking here at the church at Pergamos, and uh, there's very little known about Pergamos. It was a very um, religious city, a, a pagan religion city. They had God temples there, the god Zeus, and many of the false gods of the heathen, and it was a wealthy city, a well-off city, a worldly city. But here in this city was a church. And the Bible says that the Lord begins this, and He's talking to them, and in verse 14 He says, but. And, you know, some of those in the Bible are good, you know. Um, <clears throat> over there in Ephesians 2 and verses 1 through, it talks about that we were dead in our trespasses and sins and we were children of disobedience and by, and by nature the children of wrath and we walked according to this course of this world. And it says, but God, but God. And I thank the Lord for them good, those heavenly conjunctions. But, you know, there's also these ones like this in the Bible where Jesus says, He's, he's, he's acknowledging the good things and the, and, the, and the positive things there. He says, but I've got a few things against thee. Not a bunch. He said, just a few. And let me say this. Paul told the church at Corinth, he said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Do you know tonight all it takes from, for a church to go from a good church to one that's not so good church is just a few things. Just a few things. You know all it takes for a... Uh, 
a person, a Christian to go from being on fire for God, living for God, serving God, thankful to God, I mean dedicated, sold out, surrendered to being a lukewarm, it's just a few things. Over there in Song of Solomon, he said the little foxes spoil the vineyard. You know most churches that split and fall apart, you know what, what causes it? A few things. It's not a bunch of things, it's just a few things. And what happened here at Pergamos, there were some few things that were allowed to go on and, and, and they let just keep going and they kept going and they kept going and Jesus said, enough is enough. He said, I'm going to have to tell you either you repent or I'm coming to fight with you and war against you. I want to preach tonight on the church headed in the wrong direction. How many of you, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you know of a church somewhere that at one time it would have been a church that you would have said that's a good church that's a that that that, that that's a place i like you know you 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 would think that would be the type of church that you would want to be a part of and then tonight it's the type of church that you wouldn't even want to be seen in i know brother david's seen it. he's preached in every church three times within 100 miles of here i know brother david has seen it and he knows how but you know something about churches changing their direction you know it doesn't happen quickly it happens gradually it's like a big ship. They don't turn on a dime. It's not like when you get on a sea do Anybody ever rode one of them? And, and you go out there and you just spin around like a top. No, it's like a large ship that uh, they turn slowly. And this church at Pergamos had turned. And a lot of, listen, a lot of times the change is so subtle that the members and the ones that are a part of it don't even see you. But he talks to them about a church headed in the wrong direction. I thank the Lord, and I'm going to say this ahead, and I'm going to get in, and we're going to get through and get out, but I want to say this. I thank the Lord for how He's helped our church here. I'm not, I don't know what's going on. I know what's happening here, and I thank God for the direction we have right now, where we are. But I want you all to know, and I want to remind myself tonight, that we do not need to just sit back and just let her sail. We can't just sit back and let go of the rope and just sit back and, and, and coast and just sit back and say, well, man, this been, you know, uh, <coughs> we've done uh, so well and the Lord's blessed and, and we've gotten to this point. Do you know tonight that if we do that, we'll be headed in the wrong direction before we can even know it? Look in verse 12 and 13. I want you to notice their faithful conduct. It's amazing to me. And by the way, I believe it's... it's um, I believe it's good for all of us, and especially preachers, to follow the pattern of the Lord. Even when he had something against them, he didn't forget what they had going for them. And a lot of times people get things in their life, they get messed up, and it's almost like people forget everything good about them, everything they ever did, and everything that they ever... But that's not the way the Lord talked to them. He, and, and he begins this writing to them and he says, I want you to know some things. I'm, I'm thankful. He's telling them basically, I'm not changing the Bible. I'm just putting it in redneck English so we can all understand. But, but he's telling them, I want you to know that I've been watching. I've been paying attention. And I'm thankful for what you have done. I'm thankful for how you've done. I'm thankful for how the, the, what the church has done in the past. I, I saw it. I realize it. And I appreciate what you've done. Notice this. I want you to see this. The place they dwelt. The Bible says in verse 13, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is. 
Now, there's a lot of speculation on this, but I don't like to speculate, so I'm not going to. There's some that say this meant that the mystery of Babylon church was there and all this. But I believe what this is saying is this place where this church was was a place where Satan was in authority. Where he was, when he sat, in, where Satan dwells. That means, and you know Satan's not omnipresent, uh, despite what people, the way people talk. The devil can't be everywhere at one time. And he never has and he never will be. But the truth of the matter is, what the Lord was saying is, where you are, where he said the place where you dwell is a place where there is a satanic influence. And, and where Satan is in, uh, sitting on the seat of power and authority. And the ruler's there and the leaders there uh, were men and women that were inclined to be bent and to be manipulated by the hand of Satan. Oh, it was a rough place. It was a difficult place. I'd say if you were to look at Pergamos, you'd say that's not the best place to have a church and to live for God. But I want to remind you of this tonight. Anywhere God puts you, you can live for God and you can serve God. He said, I understand. And you say, well, we're living in a bad time. We're living in, a, in, a, in an evil world. We're living in a... Would you say that uh, perhaps in our country even that this nation has become a place where Satan dwells, where his influence is being... Uh, is, is, is lengthening and uh, is uh, widening and, and, and we see it every day. We're hearing about it all the time. But I've got good news tonight that God knows where we are. <laughs> He said, I know the place you dwell. He said, I understand the environment you're in. And that blesses my heart. And you children understand this. I know it's hard for you in the world that we're living in. And there's pressure on you. And there's, and there's a power of evil that tries to uh, change you. But thank God, He knows where you are. We do not have to tell the Lord where we are and how bad it is. He knows all about it. This means that Satan was worshipped and loved there and was in power there. I remember, as, you know, used to Satan worship was something you just, you know, on Halloween about y'all don't, you know, they're, they're going to be cutting goats' heads and making, you know, I mean, they don't eat the, don't eat the candy, they'll have needles in it and everything else, but now it's become something you're, we're seeing. Yeah. It's actually becoming, you understand, it's actually, we're starting to see, it's becoming, it's becoming an accepted thing. And all this anti-God and anti-Jesus and anti-Bible, let me, let me help y'all. And, and, and all this neutralizing that's going on, and all, let me tell you what it is, it's satanic. It is an attack against God. You know what Satan wanted when he was in heaven? He wanted a seat. He said, oh, he wanted a seat that was higher than God. A, a place that was exalted above God. And it got him thrown out of heaven. And now on this earth, you know what he's walking around looking for? A seat. He's wanting a place to sit. He's wanting influence. He's wanting power. He's wanting to be worshipped and loved. The place they dwelt. He, he recognized that. He recognized the position they held. In verse 13, he says this. And that thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith. 
Now remember, we're going to get to the other here in just a second. But Jesus is, is, is acknowledging these good things. He said, I know the place you dwell. He said, but also know the position you've held. And people say it don't matter what we believe. It matters to the Lord Jesus Christ what we believe. Well, those doctrinal statements and them church covenants and all that. It's not, I heard someone was visiting, and I can't remember who it was, and he said he didn't believe in having a church covenant. He said, I don't believe in that. I said, well, maybe you need to visit another church. <laughs> Amen. And listen, we don't claim that to be the Bible, but that comes from the Bible. And listen tonight, people in this day and time, they say doctrine doesn't matter. Doctrine doesn't matter. And all the singing and all the preaching and all the teaching right now that you're seeing coming out from mainstream, it's not doctrine in nature. It's not, not doctrinal in nature. It's experiential. And it's all about experience and feelings. And, and, and listen to me, there is an element of that. I understand there's an element that we must address and it's not all wrong. But when there, we are we are drunk on emotions and experience and all this feely feely stuff you don't hear much about the blood you know I was preaching recently and, and I said this and I think I might have made a few people a little upset but I cannot tell you the last time that I went to a revival or a camp meeting or, or, or a team meeting or, 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 or anything of that nature uh, and heard a preacher stand up and preach the gospel clear and loud why would we want to preach the gospel? I, talk, I was talking to Brother Bud Stiltner this morning. We were soundboarding off each other. He was throwing his sermon at me and I was throwing mine at him and we was helping each other out. And, and, uh, I said, and, and I said this, and when I said it, the Lord convicted my heart. I said, man, I said, this is just a simple salvation message. And when I said that, the Lord convicted me and said, that's the exact message you need. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? He said that, listen, what was there? They, they held to the Lord's person. They said, thou hast not denied my name. Let me tell you something. Jesus Christ has a name that's above every name. There's no other name given among men whereby you must be saved but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this church held to His name. Uh, listen, I like hearing His name, don't you? Uh, I don't like singing and saying He and them and her. And it could sound like a love song. You could, it could be a country song or it could be a rap song if you had a little that to it. Or it could be a rock song if you did a little that to it. I like to know who you're singing about. Amen. I like songs about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The sweetest name I know. It fills my deepest longings. That's the kind of song. I like songs like what a friend we have in Jesus. There's nothing wrong with his name. This church held to his name. They said we're not going to back up or back down or back off when it comes to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We shouldn't either. The Lord's person, they held to the Lord's precepts. He said, and thou, hast not, and thou holdest fast my name, and hast not denied my faith. My faith. The Lord's that faith speaks of doctrine. I know I preached on faith this morning, saving faith, but we understand there is a difference in saving faith and the faith. When the Bible speaks about the faith and my faith, God's talking about doctrine here. And listen tonight, what we're believing, what we're preaching is the apostles' doctrine. The faith of our fathers. 
And he says, not only have you held to the Lord's person, but he said, you've held on to his word, his doctrine. Listen, he said, you've held on. What is those? What is the faith? It's the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the verbal, plenary inspiration of the word of God. It's the vicarious death of Christ. Jesus died for man. He didn't just die for man. He died for all men. Amen. It's the victorious resurrection of Christ. It's the visible return of Christ. He said, I, you've held on to that and we should hold on to it too. Amen. You know over there in, 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 in Genesis, Joseph was about to die and he told his sons, he says, I want you to take my bones and put them in a box. And he said, one day God's going to visit you down in Egypt. And he said, he's going to send a deliverer. He said, when he sends a deliverer, he said, I want you to take my bones back to the home place. Go over there where Granny and them's at and bury me over there next to them. That's where I want to be buried. And Brother David, they kept them bones. And you can read in the book of Exodus chapter 12, God did raise up a deliverer. And by the way, God's never made one promise He didn't keep. You understand that? He's a promise-keeping God. And He's going to keep the promises that haven't been fulfilled yet. It's just a matter of time. And I'm excited about it. I don't know about you, but I'm real excited about Jesus coming again. I mean, I'm looking for Him to come. I'd love for Him to come. It'd make my night. It'd make my day if He'd come tonight. But listen, they passed Him down. And Brother Larry, one generation, they got old and feeble. And they, uh, let's, just, uh, 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 let's just say, well, I'm going to save that for a minute. Well, that's got money in it. I ain't got a box. Let's just uh, hold on one second. I need something. Here we go, Drew. So here we go. Come here, Drew. I'm going to use you tonight. You did so good last week. So I'm getting there. Here's one generation. And they had them bones. They said, we're about to die. But our father, Joseph, said to keep these bones. And one day, one day... He's going to come visit us and take us out of here. And when he does take us out of here, he's going to us to bury these bones. You know, them bones, they were a picture, of, they, were a type, they were a symbolic of the promise of God. And he said, here you go. Then that generation died. Come here, Clayton, get over there next to Drew. Scoot over there, not too far. So now this generation got old. Get old, Drew. Get old. No, no, get old. No, bend over like old people do. Hold your back. Not that much. Drew's get, he, this generation got old and they're getting feeble. Now hand it off. Now here they said, now look, these are Joseph's bones. He promised us that one day, he said one day God's going to visit his people. When he does, take those bones and bury them in Egypt. Now this generation, they died. So you're good at that. Go ahead. And now another generation. Come on, Elijah. You're not too big to help me. Come on. Now this generation got old. Did you know, now go ahead, hand them down. And did you know that went on for over 400 years? And nobody dropped them bones. I'm sitting down. And nobody lost them bones. They handed them off and they handed them off. And you know, the Bible says in Exodus when Moses went down there and, and brought God's people out, it said, Well, I'm about to drop the bones. It said that they brought the bones with them. You understand? You say, What in the world are you getting to? This is, this is, this is our, this is Joseph's bones for you and I. Listen to me, this Bible's been doing good for over 400 years. You understand? Hey, listen, I'm I'm not looking for another Bible. I'm not looking for a better Bible. You can't get better than the best. Amen. And Brother Larry, my preacher handed it off to me. And his preacher handed it off to him. And his pre and listen to me tonight. We've got to hold on. God, Jesus said, He said, you've held my faith. You wouldn't let it go. The position they held, look in verse 13, the pain they felt. It says that... <clears throat> 
even in those days where Antipas was a faithful martyr who was slain among you, where Satan dwelleth. This church had been hurt. They had felt persecution wasn't something they read about. It was something they had seen with their own eyes. Now follow me. Antipas, there's nothing we know about him other than one thing. He died for his faith. One man said this, there's nothing else you need to know about him. Amen. That tells you all you need to know about old Antipas. And oh, listen, this church... They had been faithful. They had held. Uh, they had held on to them doctrines. They had. Uh, they had. Uh, uh, they had. They had held the position on the name and the and the word of God. They had been hurt and persecuted, and even one from among them was slain for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, "You've been faithful in your conduct." And listen tonight, you heard those saying, "Don't throw the baby out with the wash." We can take the good from this church. And we can have it in our own church. We need to do the same. We need to hold fast. We need to hold on to His name. We need to hold on to these doctrines the Bible preaches. And listen, you know how? You don't know how you hold fast to His faith, but you got to hear it. You got to teach it. You got to preach it. You got to listen. Listen, don't ever say, man, it seems like we're just hearing the same doctrines justification, uh, uh, salvation, and, and the resurrection. And say, so, listen, that's what we need to hear. We've got to keep it fresh in our mind. We need to know. We need to know the truth. We need to hold the truth, and we need to be willing to die for it. Amen. Their faithful conduct. Look at verse 14 and 15. Their foolish compromise. Why would a church that had done so well want anything else? Why would they want to stoop to a low level as they did? You know this. The Bible says that but I have a few things against thee because thou hast there that hold the doctrine of Balaam. And then it goes on verse 15. The doctrine of the Nicolaitans. So you understand that's what they believed. And by the way, what we believe determines what we are. What Jesus said, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And, the, and people say, well, doctrine doesn't matter. Doctrine does matter. Wherever there's loose doctrine preached and taught, there'll be loose living. And, and he, he says, they compromise. They compromise. Uh, they had been stung by the strong arm of persecution, but they weren't shaken. But what persecution couldn't do to them, false doctrine did. Did you know that most churches are ruined from the inside out? He said, man, oh, Antip- they took Antipas out for a moment and slain him. He said they slain him. He, he was killed right before him. I don't know exactly why. I'm, I mean, it sounds like they come into church and killed and, and probably one of their best members, but that didn't shake them. And, and old Pergamus didn't shake them and nothing shook them but a little false teaching here and a little false teaching there and it got a little more and it got a little more and it got a little more and it was poison. They were poisoned from within. Notice these two false doctrines or two fatal doctrines that they accepted. He, said, he mentions the doctrine of Balaam. You can read this in your own time. I believe it's Numbers 22 through 25 about Balaam. You, we all hear about Balaam's ass that spoke. But listen, the whole story is this. The king of Moab tried to hire Balaam to put a curse on God's people. And he tried to do it four times despite the fact God said don't go. And he went anyway. And why did he keep going? Because they kept offering him more and more money. 
And, and Balaam kept on going back and, kept, and he kept, he, I mean, a donkey told him not to do it. And he didn't listen. And uh, Balaam, the doctrine of Balaam is, is associated, and we see it right here, it's associated with uh, worldly wealth. He says, uh, that, the taught, that who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block for the church. Listen to me tonight. If you and I, if we have a price for our faith, the devil will find a buyer. Listen to me, I, I think about over there, Ahab and Jezebel and old Naboth had that little vineyard next to the palace and, and old Ahab, he was such a big wimp. He said, I want that vineyard, I want that vineyard. And old Jezebel, the ruler of that house, the head of that house, said, if you want that vineyard, most God, I'll go down there and get that vineyard for you. Oh, Ahab didn't have enough backbone to do it himself, so he had to send her to do it. And she went waddling down there and with her old long, I mean, anyhow, anyway, she went waddling down there and said, Naboth, we'll give you a better vineyard than you got. And this is what Naboth said. He says, no ma'am, my vineyard ain't for sale. He said, my daddy gave me this and there's no price you can have. He said, oh, but old Naboth, uh, Naboth was killed for that old, but he, he might have died, but he died with integrity and he died with character and he died with a, with a good name. And listen tonight, uh, this doctrine of Balaam, it's this worldly doctrine that emphasizes wealth. Material things. A whole lot of people. And preachers deserve a lot of the blame, but there's, it's, it happens in churches too. Well, we got the mayor coming now. I don't think we do. Well, we got some city councilmen, and we've got some school, the principal in the school, and we got the school superintendent, and we got the, the, the police chief, and we got the this, and we got that. So we got to be a little bit more, we got to start being a little bit more. Why are they so worried about that? You want to know why? Right there. Well, our offerings are going up, and, and they, well, what, what we need to do, we need, well, we got to tone it down. Balaam was a sellout. Listen, he was a money grubbing preacher, is what he was. Amen. Worldly worship, he said he told them to sacrifice the idols. Now, I, I can't, I'm, I'm going to get through here in a minute. I'm, I'm just about out of fuel. I didn't have much in the tank to begin with. You know, them four wheelers have that little switch where you put it on reserve when you run out. I had to flip that before I come here, so I'm really running low. So I'm just going to tell you this. He talks about idols, he talks about that stumbling block, and he talks about fornication. So Balaam couldn't curse them. So what he done is, he said, here's what we'll do we'll get them to start worshiping our idols. He said, and then God will chastise them. And when God chastises them, they'll thin them down. And then once he thinned them down, this is what he done. You can read about Numbers 25. He said, give us some of them pretty Moabite girls of the prince's daughters. And he sent them in there among the Hebrew children. And those men, they committed fornication with them. And God laid the hammer on them. And let me tell you, that's what false doctrine does. That's why we can't have it. We can't tolerate it. That's why I guard this pulpit right here. And I'm going to guard it. And as long as God will help me. I mean, listen, I love preaching. I love it. I'd rather do this than anything else. And I'm just fine if I have to preach the revival. And I have to preach the homecoming. And I have to preach the camp meeting. And the preacher's fellowship. And I have to, I'll be glad to do it before I want to let some little weak knee, a little spaghetti backbone preacher get up here and spew false doctrine and if there is false doctrine preacher I'm going to say this be ready because it's my job to identify it 
You say, you might hurt their feelings. I'm not worried about feelings. Listen to me. We're living in a day where there's so many doctrines of devils floating around and so much with Google. Google has ruined more preachers than harlots has. And they get on there and they start Googling. They Google this and they Google that. Whoever thought we'd even have such a thing as Google? But anyhow, but anyway, and they get on there and they come up with these wild ideas and these, these doctrines that you've never heard of. Let me give you a little advice. If it's true, it ain't new. And if it's new, it ain't true. And if anybody says, I've got something you've never heard before, you better just close your Bible and cross your legs and give them that, oh, I ain't listen to another thing you've got to say. Amen. There's nothing new under the sun. Anyway, the doctor of the Nicolaitans, he said, he said, which thing I hate. But I thought Jesus was all love. No, he hates false doctrine. Anybody that loves truth will hate error. Now here, I, and I, I'm, I'm, I want you to hear about this. So the doctrine of Balaam is a defiling doctrine. It causes fornication and, and illicitness and goes on. But the doctrine of the Nicolaitans was a dividing doctrine. Here's what they taught. Nicolation. Nico means to conquer. And Lation means the people. You want to know where the term laity comes from? Right here. It's a bad term. And a lot of people, they just don't know. When I was growing up, they had what they called lay preachers. And that was a man he wasn't necessarily called, but if the preacher was out and there was nobody they'd call him to preach and they didn't mean nothing, there wasn't nothing wrong with it. And if you said that, and if this church, I'm not trying to throw stones or pick scabs or, or none of that or grind axes or, 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 or grease hinges or whatever you want to call it. I'm not trying. I'm just saying that that term, here's what they teach. They teach levels of hierarchy in the church. They teach you got first class and second class and third. And by the way, that's the doctrine of Rome. That's what they're teaching with the Pope and all the cardinals and the bishops. Cardinals, that's a bird and a baseball team. And bishops and, 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 and regional. Listen to me. That, listen what that is. That's the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. It's all about having a name and being in power and being, uh, and, and being in charge. and being, There's one head of the church and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the good shepherd. He is the great shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. And I, as the pastor of this church, I'm an under shepherd. But listen to me, I'm not superior or, or I don't have no special class that I'm in. I'm a co-laborer with you and we're co-laborers with God and God has seen fit for me uh, to pastor this church. But we we're in this battle together and we all have problems and there's no such thing as spiritual hierarchy in the church. That divides a church. You got the haves and the haves nots. The big shots, the little shots. And that's where, the, you know anyway, I got to move on. Look at verse 16, the fatal, their fatal, the fatal consequences. You can know this, this is his church, ain't it? But This is the Lord's church, Brother Larry. And the Lord is not going to turn His head out of His church when they're embracing false doctrine. Now He tells them you've got two options. And tonight, if you're headed in the wrong direction, you've got two options. If your spiritual fire is burning down, if your love's waxing cold for the Lord, 
there's two things that are going to happen. Here it is. He said, number one, you can stop your ways. He said, repent. Amen. Repent. That's a good word, ain't it? That's a Bible word. Repent. He said, you're going to have to change. It's going to hurt. And by the way, repentance is hard on the flesh. It is. He said, you're going to have to change. He said, you're going to have to run them false preachers out. You're going to have to thin her down. You're going to have to cut her back. You're going to have to... Oh, Brother Willard, he went through about three church splits at Harmony Street and he called Brother Edgar and wanted him to be, you know, consoling him. He said, oh, God's just pruning her down to bring forth more fruit. He said, that's not what I wanted to hear. But I want to say tonight, we'd be better off and listen than embracing false teaching and false doctrine. Listen, the church, I was talking to someone recently about church, you know, church discipline. That's become a bad word anymore. We're afraid somehow God said, well, they run me out of that church. If you're teaching false doctrine, let me say this, you need to be run out of the church. Amen. Amen. Oh, man, oh, my. He said, you can stop your ways. That's the best choice to make. Just repent. But he says this, if you don't stop your ways, verse 6, he said, I'll come unto you quickly and I'll fight against thee. Them with the sword of my mouth. So here's two options tonight. Stop your ways. Or here it is. He said, are you going to start a war? You're going to start a war. He didn't say I'll fight with the church. He said, but I'll fight with them. Let me say this. This is his church. This is his body. He's the head of this church. And there's not one of us here tonight that are bigger than this church. Did you know this church doesn't have to have me? And it doesn't have to have you. And if I get sideways and I won't repent, then guess what he's going to do? He's going to come and he's going to fight with me. Listen to me. When you start a war with the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not a wise decision. You're picking a fight that you can't win. You're starting something. You're getting into a scrum. Then you're going to end up. He said, I'll come and I'll fight with you. How's he going to fight? He said, with the sword of my mouth, with his word. This church can go on with or without me. And then go on with or without you. We need to be reminded of that when it comes to our ways. Now quickly in verse 17, he says this, and I'm done. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, I'll give to thee eat of the hidden manna. And I'll give him a white stone, and the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. There's a final command here. He says this, he says... To him that overcometh. So to me, that's a word of possibility. You can overcome this. You can win. You don't have to, listen, you don't have to be dragged down and have to be dragged under and dragged, drug away by this teaching and this error and this wickedness, this lasciviousness. He says, to him that overcometh. And to me, it, it sounds as if the tone there and the tense there is there were some that would overcome. And he knew they'd overcome. And listen, and I, I, I don't know where you are, how you feel, but it blesses me to know that I, we can overcome. Oh, listen, we can, we can have victory. The Bible says, and this is your victory, even our faith. And thank God tonight, he said, you can overcome. And there's a word of promise. He said, those that overcome, he said, I'll give them a white stone. It speaks of purity. He said, I'll give them a hidden manna. 
He'll, he said that manna was angel's food. He said, I'll let you eat some things. You'll have a diet that other people don't have. You'll, he said, I'll let, you, I'll let you have some things that other people don't have. You'll get to enjoy some spiritual blessings that other people don't know anything about. And let me say tonight, it is hard to serve the Lord. It does take sacrifice. It does take, there is some pain, sweat, and tears involved. But oh, the dividends are out of this world. The benefits are unreal of, of living for God. What are the benefits of being faithful and holding through the word of God? How, what, what is it? What's old Peter when that rich young ruler come to Jesus with his fair and fine clothing on and he comes swaying in all nice and pretty and he said oh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said oh, go sell all that has get the poor table cross follow me and then the, the Bible said he went away sorrowful he had great riches old Peter was sitting there like this not like I look one of them uh, 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 power strokes you know four inch lift thirty fives you know what I'm saying, Dylan? We see them every now and again. Me and Dylan say, Dylan say, hmm, hmm. That's his fair word, hmm. And I'll say, hmm. But old Peter watched that old rich young ruler walk away. And he said, Lord, he said, we've left all and follow thee. What's our, he basically said, Lord, what's our reward? And Jesus looked at him, he said, No man that's left mother, father, sister, brother, house or land shall not reap a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. What I'm saying is God's a debtor to no man or no woman or no boy or no girl. Anything you give up, anything you lay down, he said, I'll give you hidden manna. I'll give you something the world don't have. I'll let you taste of some things that only the heavenly beings know about. He said, I'll give you a name and a stone, and only me and you will be me and you'll be the only ones that know it. You see that? He said, you mean you'll have a, such a relationship, you'll know things about me and I'll know things about you that nobody else knows. Amen. Boy, that's the blessing of walking with God, living for God. I'm just telling you, the most enjoy, one of the greatest thrills and one of the, I mean, the most satisfying things for me personally is when I'm just alone reading my Bible and, and, and I'm reading and I'm praying and I'm studying and God turn, pulls and, and opens the Word to me and, and shows me some things about Himself that I've never seen before. And not only that, does He show me things about Him, but He'll show me some things about me. And you know, that's speaking about an intimate. An intimate is just like a husband and a wife. There's a knowledge there. You know her and she and, and she knows you. And, and, and that's what Jesus said. He said to him that overcometh, he said, I'm going to give him a name and the only ones that will know that name is me and him. Amen. I wonder tonight, are you, am I, are we heading in the right direction? But let me say this, are we going to stay in the right direction? And do we want our church do you want our church to continue in the direction it is? All it takes is just a little few things can mess it all up.